It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. You're listening to Taking Stock with Pim Fox and Kathleen Hayes on Bloomberg Radio. He was just a wee lad when the pound was as weak as it is today. The pound trading at 127 against the U.S. dollar. Douglas Borthwick is managing director and the head of FX at Chap Delane and Company, and he joins us now. Doug Borthwick, thank you very much for being with us. 31 years. The dollar has not been this strong against the British pound for 31 years. What is going on and what is going to happen? The last time the sterling was this week was when I actually came over to this country in 1985. It's rather astounding. And, and I think that there's a number of things at play. Obviously, Brexit is the main one. Today's move and what we've really seen when we went to the 130 level was really on the back of Theresa May, uh, the prime minister, putting down her foot and essentially saying that financial companies are on their own, which I think uh, came as a bit of a shock to the financial services market, which makes up around 12% of the UK economy and 1.1 million jobs. So what this means is that when it comes to the negotiation um, of, of the British exit from Europe, what will happen is that instead of financial companies being at the forefront and what's called financial passporting rights, Instead, it looks like trade's going to be uh, the, the main factor. What Theresa May also did is she came out with the dates of when they think the Brexit will happen and when she'll actually pull Article uh, 50, and it looks like that's going to be by uh, March of uh, next year. So we've now got a, a time frame of when things are going to happen. We're also now seeing what's being prioritized by the British government, and I think that the market didn't really appreciate that today. Well, hard Brexit, that's what people have been wondering about. And uh, great uh, Bloomberg coverage of this today. One story pointing out that uh, Theresa May is taking a very different stance than her predecessor, David Cameron. But, of course, she's the one who's, you know, got to carry out the quote-unquote will of the people. And that's Brexit. So that is, but there's also two different types of strategies. David Cameron was trying to go in there with a strategy where he expected that Brexit would never pass. And so he had a certain pitch. And then Theresa May has the job where Brexit has passed. And now she, rather than having fluff and color, she actually has to tell the cold, hard reality. I think that that's a significant difference. I think that uh, Theresa May has a great challenge ahead of her. I think that the market, though, if it's trading today off of something that could happen in really two and a half years' time, it's probably a little bit ahead of itself. And if you look at euro sterling over the past uh, couple of years, euro sterling has jumped about 26%, which is you know, rather astounding if you think of what's happening in, the, in Europe compared to what's happening in the U.S. And that's really since what, the end of 2015, euro sterling has gone up 26% to now levels that are astounding given the health of the British economy versus the health of European economies. All right. So given a lot of this irrational behavior, Douglas Borthwick, what's the best trade right now? Where would you be looking? 
You know, I really do believe that Euro sterling is, is very much overdone, and we're trading around this 0.88 level today. There's really two pieces of news. One, that there's a discussion that the ECB is discussing tapering their quantitative easing. Now, that article saw the euro start to charge higher at the same time as sterling was moving lower on the back of the Theresa May comments. So you've had both legs here being pushed in opposite directions, both knee-jerk reactions off of news that really shouldn't come as any surprise. The news story regarding the ECB, that they would enter into taper before ending QE, that shouldn't be a surprise to anybody. What would be a surprise is if they actually tapered, if they actually ended QE, and I don't believe the ECB is anywhere close to ending QE. So we've had a big move today in the euro on the back of really some fluff news that has very little resemblance upon reality today. And then sterling, this move lower as well. We know that the Brexit's going to happen. We know that sterling should probably be a little bit weaker. If anything, though, a weaker sterling should be seen as a positive by every G20 country in the world because every country in the world is trying to have a weaker currency. Yeah, but that's, what I, found it. but that's what I thought, Doug. It was interesting because uh, it's almost as if the markets are doing the work for central banks. Well, the market's doing the work for sterling. It really, So if you think about the Japanese, they're doing everything they can to weaken the yen. In the U.S., we're doing quantitative easing as well to an extent, but you're certainly seeing quantitative easing in Europe. You're seeing quantitative easing in the U.K., quantitative easing in Japan, all really to stimulate their economy and weaken their currency as a consequence. The U.K. doesn't really have to do that much quantitative easing anymore. All you need to do is say, I don't want to be part of a trade pact, and you see your currency weaken. <laughs> well, and of course, it's a big weakening. And I think that oh, that's what I thought. You look at the headlines on the Bloomberg, and uh, you know, one of the headlines is, oh, my gosh, hand-wringing, the pound is falling so low. But U.K. stock gauges hit simultaneous highs for the first time since 1999. Yes. yes, a very weak currency, Doug. Also, the economic data have held up reasonably well since the Brexit. That cer certainly the negative impacts may flow through. You could also say, well, Mark Carney, said of the Bank of England, he hit it hard. He said he would, and maybe that helped create confidence. I think this is the other interesting part of this equation, though, that uh, – this is actually potentially just what the U.K. economy needs now. I, I, I can't imagine other central bankers sitting around and saying, oh, this is terrible, sterling is weaker. You know, everyone is trying to weaken their currency, or at least has been, and that's really been what quantitative easing has been all about. And the U.K. found a way to do it. It's, it's happening. You're seeing the economy not crater as people had expected, but actually stay stable or even grow a little bit faster. Obviously, any change to their economy or any GDP change will be seen later on as Brexit's reality comes into being. But right now, nobody knows if it's going to be Brexit-heavy, Brexit-light. You know, it's still very much on the table and in the cards. And anything that Theresa May right now is discussing, really she has to pitch an idea towards Europe. Now, Europe right now, they certainly would like to have the British banking system in Frankfurt or in Paris, and they're certainly pitching these ideas to these financial companies. At the same time, London wants to keep the financial companies there. So there's a lot of different pitches we're hearing, different color. All of it, I think, is just a strategy towards when we actually get to the negotiating table, which won't happen until next year. All right, so that gets put off. Uh, is the or we were talking earlier? Maybe you don't know about, but we were talking earlier about gold, and I was wondering if gold is, is, plays a role in the currency market the way you see it. Well, if, if the, the, the story that came out earlier that the ECB was looking to taper their quantitative easing purchases. Obviously, if there's less quantitative easing in the world, you'll see the gold price take a hit lower. Uh, if there's more quantitative easing, you'd see gold start to rally in price. Because gold obviously moves up or down based upon the market's perceived amount of uh, currency in circulation. So if there's a lot of currency in circulation, 
that means that there's more inflation. If there's more inflation, people would rather own gold because they see that as a way to keep their assets in one piece. So if you see a tapering of quantitative easing, if you see the U.S. start to raise rates, you'd expect to see gold come off somewhat. Well, of course, we, we did. We saw gold fall through uh, $1,300. It's the lowest since June. Alerta Mester yesterday, the Cleveland Fed saying, hey, don't even discount November. It's possible for a rate hike. She would vote for it, potentially, if the economy is strong. And then Jeff Lacker followed through today. Uh, what is your bet there, Doug? I think we'll see a rate hike in the U.S. by the end of the year. I think that that's... Uh, pretty much in the cards right now, but we haven't seen the economic data yet between now and then. Okay, well, and that, well, they'll all agree the economic data are crucial. Friday is the big jobs report. You want to tune in, start early, go around the clock on Bloomberg Radio, television, keep your eyes on the Bloomberg because that jobs report could be a major market mover as much or more than ever. Thanks to Doug Borthwick, Managing Director, Head of Foreign Exchange at Chapdelaine and Co. I'm Kathleen Hayes along with Pim Fox. Movers and shakers coming up at the market close on Taking Stock. This is Bloomberg. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com.